Welcome back to the Do It Live podcast. Our third guest in the lineup started out as a Navy SEAL and then transitioned to being the ice cream man. Luckily for us, he still likes to shoot guns and talk trash. So we've got him on to talk about everything from active shooters to how you get flavors of ice cream and making ice cream on deployments. Enjoy episode number three with Chris Bettis. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode three of the Do It Live podcast. I'm here with Chris Fettis, right? Correct. Didn't screw up the pronunciation. I don't correct anybody anymore. All right, appreciate it. So uh, joined just after 9-11, right? Right. The military, joined the Navy, became a SEAL right out of the gate, or did you chip paint off boats, or what was no the No chip first? and paint. Yeah, I just I tried to go straight there. Yeah. Okay, cool. First time through buds go, or did you recycle? I was lucky through my career, and I don't mean this out of any ego way, but I was lucky and, gr- and, and grateful to have gotten through everything the first time. Okay. It wasn't always the best, but cool. I got through. So lengthy Navy career, 18 years was it? 14 years? Only 13. 13 years. Okay, 13 year Navy career, got out, book deal fell through, and now you sell <laughs> ice cream, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll get a book deal for ice cream recipes. Yeah, there you go. The cooking book. <laughs> yeah. So ice cream plug, what's the ice cream company? Be Free Craft Ice Cream. Okay, Be Free Craft Ice Cream. How old is it? A few months old, right? Uh, so I, I started building the idea before COVID, then COVID kind of you know did its thing. Yeah. Um, so really it's about a year old um, and we've just scaled into a, a building to operate out of. That's, you just got in that building a few months ago. That's what it was, right? Okay, very cool. And so like, what's the business model? Is it just like your normal mom and pop ice cream shop or kind of what's that look like? No, it's a little different from that. Um, and I went back and forth with different business models, but where I settled was I was able to spend some time just doing these sort of pint drops in, in, in the local area. I got sort of a following for that and it was working the same way that- So like a t-shirt a, drop, like yeah, a swag drop almost. Yeah, exactly, like, like a pre-order- Ice cream drop, supreme. But just with ice cream, yeah. yeah. It, it works well and uh, cool. people seem to enjoy it. So then I moved into also a little bit of wholesale in the local area where they resell my ice cream and I sell it to them. Um, and that's been fun. So we're just gonna keep growing. The goal and the model that seems to be working for me is product distribution um, and wholesale, as opposed okay. to a traditional ice cream shop. Sure. So I'm just gonna keep going with that and then we'll get the, the little shops uh, done. So is that there. the plan is like satellite shops around the- I think it would like be- Regionally fun. and then nationally, I assume? Yeah, I think it would be fun to do that. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. All right, so lengthy career, now you're in ice cream and you also have a training and consulting business, right? Right. Yeah. And that's sort of, um, I don't want to say side hustle too much. I really do care about it deeply as far as the sort of protector mindset towards all of these active shooter problems and all of these active active shooter threats. I've had a lot of ideas for products coming from my background in contracting where we were focused on sensitive activities type stuff. And I was really thoughtful towards form factors. So I just applied that to some of these ideas and it's it's starting to pick up uh, a lot of attention and awareness and we're starting to get some big uh, projects in places like Texas and Louisiana. So Very cool. my two partners are really freaking awesome and are managing a lot of the logistics of that so that I can focus on ice cream. Nice. And then I kind of play into that when I need to for training events and uh, a little bit of the marketing and branding. Transition from the scooper to the pistol and go yeah, teach so guys how to do it. It's all tactics and ice cream. These Very days. cool. Very cool. <laughs> All right, so we've got a quick, it's a 15-ish meter warm-up drill, but it's a one-third size USPSA target. So we're going to shoot 10 rounds, 
I call it steady fire, slow fire, whatever you want to call it. Just at your cadence, make sure your gun's on, bust whatever rust you can off in 10 rounds, and then uh, we'll get into some drills. Why are we going with a third size? Uh, they fit nicely in a container, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. All right, you good? Yeah, sometimes I have a hard time counting to 10. Yeah, I think I counted to 10. Let's see. All right, so we're going to just mark anything outside of the mini A zone. I don't know how to mark that. Two or three. I got one. I got four out. What do you Ten. got? Ten. I got two out. Okay. All right. All right, so we talked about form factors. I got a couple questions about that, but what you're really talking about is like vehicles that we had on deployments that looked like local vehicles that really were bulletproof, right? Yeah, exactly. You didn't want yep. them standing out. You didn't want people feeling uncomfortable around them. They just, they already exist in the environment. Okay, so what do you have for this new product then? This is your chance to plug it. Yeah, yeah, plugs. Yeah. Uh, so this product is a essentially ballistic whiteboard. So it would exist in any classroom. Okay. The idea around it was, you know, some of these capabilities, I think, um, with, with, our, with the board, the goal was to not make people feel uncomfortable. So outside of the politics of all of the, you know, whether to ban guns or not, or whether to protect your school or not, I'm right. agnostic of that. Sure. The goal now is to solve a problem, which is protecting children and staff uh, and people that, in workplaces. So something that already exists in those environments, to me, is very obvious. There's desks, there's things that are linear, right? Like ballistic materials can fit in uh, walls, and the whiteboard, right? So for the yeah. whiteboard, I was really interested in that idea with my co-founders because it's mobile, yeah. right? It reminded me sort of a, a, a larger shield that law enforcement would carry. Yeah. And if we made it mobile enough with like rollerblade wheels or some polymer type wheels that are really- Well, a lot of times they're just on wheels already. They're already on wheels, yeah. but instead of caster wheels, we could put them on something that can that roll, roll faster. bumps and go over you know, rugged concrete and stuff like that and just yeah. carpet and, and things like that. And also, with the weight of the ballistic board being inside of it, it's going to be a little heavy. So we need it. We need small teachers and small people to be to be able to move it, right? And so we built some prototypes successfully, took it to some trade shows, started sort of building awareness around it, and we got a lot of hits. And we've got some uh, projects going on right now. We're going to essentially, uh, with some other school modifications, uh, provide these whiteboards in the classrooms. And essentially, it has a locking, a proprietary locking mechanism that a teacher could easily wheel this over to the, the classroom door. And if their training, which we've surveyed, is already to lock the door in an emergency and put the kids in the opposite corner, they can do the same thing with just a few more seconds, pull the two pens on the locking mechanism to lock and barricade the, the, the door to sure. the room yeah. and essentially creating a hasty safe room uh, and focusing on that sort of time in between. Yeah, I was gonna say, it just buys response. them time so that they can yes. actually be in a barricaded room. Yes, because- And shots can't go through the door. Exactly, so they're not gonna hit anybody through the door. Um, with studying some of the mentality of some of these active shooters, they're not really gonna be in a problem-solving mindset, so they're gonna move on to yeah. movement because they wanna cause the maximum amount of damage possible yeah. in those moments. 
right? And so the goal is to just delay them as much as possible. So there's some other uh, companies, a couple of different really cool companies that we've partnered with to provide a somewhat ballistic window film. Okay. Um, and that company is called Seabond, and they essentially install this window film that bonds to the pores of the glass molecularly. So uh, it turns non-bulletproof glass into bulletproof not, glass or not, safety glass into bulletproof glass. Not a rated yeah. uh, ballistic uh, film, but for sure anti-shattering. And so we know from our deployments when you've tested that with vehicles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like you, you have to pull that whole panel out with a tool, right? You can't yep. just, you know, Yeah, it won't it just cave right in, through. yeah. You cut yourself all up. Yep. So that's another delay. Um, and then in addition to that, just some custom form factors for some of the rooms and spaces where the boards might not fit well. We, yeah. We're doing barn style doors and sliders and things like that. So cool. um, some of these schools have some really good um, so you guys, some security there. You guys go to the school, do a security assessment and see if these will work. Because obviously if it's, you know, I, I went to one school growing up where I remember we were in trailers because they were renovating the school. And so that doesn't really work. Right? Yeah, but correct. You know, the other schools I went to mostly were concrete um, center block, which obviously that works super well. Correct. Yeah. So when you show up to those schools to do that assessment, are you bringing ice cream for the kids or are you like keeping the two businesses? Safe? I'm working on that because it, it depends on the distance. Like dry ice can get me a certain distance, yeah. but uh, you know, there's rules with dry ice and uh, I'm working on yeah, it basically. You're working through it? The plan is to ship it ahead and have it there. So okay. for sure that's a goal. I want to bring ice cream everywhere. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get back to the ice cream. I brought some here today. Yeah. I wanted to eat it in here, but unfortunately we're in an indoor range and there's sticklers for the rules. So we weren't allowed to sit here and maul down some ice cream, but that was my original plan was crushing some ice cream and then shooting a drill on the clock. Are you serious? I thought you were joking about that. You no, I was dead serious. We yeah, can't yeah. eat ice cream inside the range. No, yeah, indoor ranges, you can't eat ice cream because of the lead content. <laughs> lead clouds on our ice cream. Yeah, exactly. All right, so you got the you got the active shooter training with the uh, ballistic chalkboards, and we got the ice cream. I'm going to hit right. rewind, and we're going to go back to your military career. Uh, was ice cream a thing back then for you, or was that... Like, how did you get started in ice cream? So ice question. cream and cooking has always been a thing. That's just always was a hobby of mine growing up. I was the, you know, I have two sisters. I was the one in the kitchen. My sisters were too, but I had a grandmother that immigrated from Japan with my grandfather around the around Vietnam time. And she was a big cook in our house. And so I learned all of the, the secrets. And then I got into making ice cream and I just became fascinated with it. It was just my favorite thing ever growing up as a kid. There's okay. so much nostalgia with different flavors and I just uh, it just sort of became a thing. So that continued into the military. I had just a little machine that I upgraded to from the one that I had when I was a little kid. Yeah. And in, on certain deployments in certain places, I had the time, the resources to make a little bit of ice cream. So you're like in Africa or in Afghanistan, like whipping up ice cream for the boys type of thing? Yes, but the problem is it only was like a two quart machine. Yeah. And so that only, there's only a couple pints in, in a quart. So right. you have, I could essentially make not enough ice cream. Yeah. And so I kind of kept it like, hey, I'm making ice cream tonight for you four guys. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I mean? Like batched it up yeah, kind of type going, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Did you guys have like a roster on the whiteboard type of thing where it's like these guys ice cream <laughs> night or? I didn't because guys would fight about it. I had a mental, a mental roster. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. smart. So. Yeah. Terps could always go out and get produce. That, that was my question is like, how are you making the flavors on deployment? Was it like yeah. geographically aligned flavor profiles? It was a combination between, you know, yeah, a little bit. If it yeah. was produce from, you know, there's a lot of apricots and apples, that kind of stuff, figs in those places. Yeah. But there's also chow halls everywhere that I could steal from, so. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you, like, 
Afghanistan, I assume, a lot of time there, and then probably other places in Africa. Did you do Iraq as well? I did. I did. Yeah, yeah making ice cream there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was chow halls, probably. Yeah, like, just kind of steal it from the chow hall. Yeah. Uh, so you know, ingredients from the class one, right? Yep. Did <laughs> you start like making weird flavors based on what was locally available, or did you keep it pretty tight and dialed uh, to like? I kept it pretty tight and animals? dialed. Um, I kept it pretty tight and dialed. I, I went outside the box a couple of times with things like fig, you know, and that yeah. matches up well with like mascarpone cheese or some okay. kind of cheese if you could find it, or yeah. cre even cream cheese. Um, so I started, you know, getting flavoring books and a lot of different uh, culinary books and just messing around with things over the years. And then when I got out, I actually went to a legitimate ice cream school so I could could learn right, yeah. all of those and, and, and learn how to do formulas. So how long was the ice cream school? It's only about four weeks at Penn State. Okay. It's been there for about 100 years. Ben oh, and Jerry's wow. went there. Some of the oh, founders of some other big companies went there. A lot of the companies send their executives and, uh, and, and folks you know that they hire to learn about ice cream so it's kind of a it's kind of like a business school and culinary school for for ice cream now are they teaching you like everything from flavor profiling to like writing a business plan Every and day. it's just like a four-week crash course and Every here's how you start an ice day. cream operation did you go to sniper school I didn't, no, no, no. Or a breacher school or any of those things where you kind of start from basics, everything's on paper, yep. you're doing your dope with your char charts, but like yep. in reality, you have a Kestrel and you've got, you know, electronic dope everywhere you go. Yep. And, you know, charts on your on your, on your your gun for yep. different distances. Uh, yeah, I got So it was you. kind of the same for ice cream. It's like back to algebra, you know what I mean? Yeah, Formulating it's very cream. formulaic. It's not like yeah, it's very just formulaic. shoveling shit into a pot and seeing what works. Yeah, definitely. You got to get the right balance and percentages of, you know, like proteins, non-fat milk, solids, water, okay. you know, dairy, uh, sugar for sure. So do those. you play with those ratios to get that perfect, like, like the perfect hand load, right? Yes. So like long range guys <laughs> nerd out on like the perfect load. Yeah, right. How many grains do you got, bro? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, definitely that is the science of it is different people there's infinite just like coffee there's infinite yep. styles of roasting yeah, and, and yeah. making right so there, there there'll be people out there um you know they might not realize that they just love ice cream and go hey it's kind of hard to fuck up ice cream and yep. you know it is but it's not easy to make it perfectly the consistent consistency and sweetness sure. and hardness or softness and 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 sort of flavor profile that you like to do so right. that took time and I finally got to a point where people seemed to like it so yeah it was so exciting. over time with practice you now make perfection in a bowl in my opinion it's perfect for for me yeah which i've learned that you if gotta you sell, sell it. that yeah then you gotta people sell sort it. of come to it right because yeah. i went through a phase of changing it towards what i thought people wanted and right. i learned pretty quickly that um you shouldn't do that yeah you just run your game right yes you do what you do and, and yeah. people will come to that if, if it's good nice i dig it well we're gonna do what we do uh we got el presidente next i'll run it first since these are all my drills you gotta run the shot timer for me though all right uh, so it's going to be um, two shots on each target. So two, 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 a reload, two, two, two. And we're going to go from uh, the surrender position, if I can get our shot timer on. There we go. It's the one that says on. All right. Ready when you are. Stand by. Like, what's the drill again? <laughs> oh. 11.63. I think we, if we're doing A's, maybe one shot. Oh, no. We got a bunch out of the A's. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, because you got to remember that Hazone's tiny, oh, man. Little, yeah. We got three out of this, uh, two out of this guy. Oh, we're not supposed to step on the berm either is what they asked. That one's all in. Two out here. A lot of rules, man. I know. If you can't eat ice cream in a place, I don't know. I think they need to, really, you need to think, think that one over. But it's also cool that no matter how many you throw, it's a third of the size. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, that's the other thing is it, it's, there's totally truth in lending, but it's also hard to like really know where you are timeline wise. Yeah. The cool one was, so have you ever shot a USPSA match? No. So the way they do it is the, the top ranking grandmaster is his shots are scored at a hundred percent. So you're based off of his time. So when we did the last one, Matt Pranka is a grandmaster. Yeah. So when he shot, they could score mine against like his, right? So you could see apples to apples if that made gotcha. sense, which yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, that's so, cool. Um, yeah, you know, Aaron invited me a couple times. They do them here. I, I might just do it just for fun. Dude, they're fun. Okay, man. I'm not yeah, afraid to they're super fun. All right, so you'll be here, hands up high, surrender position, two shots on each target, reload two shots. Yep. One second, sorry. It's, it's been a yep. long time since uh, El Presidente. All right, you ready? All right, stand by. All right, we got 1534. That was good shooting, man. Thanks, man. We got only one out here. Got two out here. If it breaks the line, it counts. Nice. And then two out here. It's good training for me, man. No, it's good shooting, and it's a one-third size A zone, so it's kind of, you know, it humbles everybody. Even if yeah. you're a USPSE GM, you're going to come out here and be humbled. And it's realistic to how I carry out of my little fanny pack. Yeah, so we'll just roll right into it. I mean... <laughs> What's with the fanny pack, man? I'm a big fan, but you're the first guy to show up on the show with a fanny pack. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that's, not sorry. Yeah, yeah. So No, so that's how you carry every day, which is, that was uh, one of the things on the last episode that I talked about with Matt was I am, I was carrying and the, the drill, the first drill we did there is what I call the performance on demand drill. And so the whole crux of that drill is you have to show up as you carry. Yeah, so, I like that. He was like, well, if that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. But he cheated <laughs> and he shot a warm up to make sure. I think, I don't think he changed his red dot, but he made sure his red dot was on. Oh, we talked about it in that episode too. But, but he made sure his red dot was on at 50 before we shot the episode, which I was like, yeah, dude, go for it. I mean, but you're, you're doing it. You're really doing it. Cause that's not how most guys would carry. Right? I like the way you roll with that because it's so hard to, you know, especially with our backgrounds to show up somewhere and go, I gotta make sure my magazine's good. I gotta press check. I gotta check yeah. my dot. You check all your stuff. But um, you know, if we're like your question, if we're applying that to our individual realities, yeah, they're all different, right? And so that's what I was saying earlier. Um, you know, when we were catching up about just the the way that we treat concealed carry and sort of some of the contradictions that I hear and stuff like that. But for me, my reality is. It's more comfortable for me to carry right here. It's very uncomfortable to put it in my belt. I drive around a lot. I'm delivering ice cream all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I don't like taking it off and putting it down. I've got two young boys. 
you know, we train a lot with Nerf guns and, and, and we do a lot of gun safety stuff, but you know, I've also got my personal things. I've got some TBIs like many of us do. I get, I'm getting older, I'm getting forgetful, you right. know? And the more I add onto my plate with my businesses, the more likely I am to, f to just forget. I put my keys somewhere. I'm like, where the hell did I put my keys? They're in the refrigerator. How'd they get in the refrigerator? You know, because right. I was getting milk, yep. right? So for me, those that's all taken into consideration with my everyday carry. So the best the best way for me, and I don't say I don't carry in my in my belt. Sometimes I right. do. Sometimes yeah. if I'm traveling a distance or it just depends on what I'm planning to do that day, I'll think about it first thing in the morning every day. How am I going to carry today? Sure. It, and it fits probably yeah. your wardrobe. Like I carry in a fanny pack quite a bit because I'm going to the gym and I'm in board shorts. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. So board shorts. Um, another part of that reality for me is I train a lot for self-defense because the way that my mind thinks is, you know, it's much more likely that I will engage or encounter a physical altercation in sure. self-defense. Yeah, and that's great retention, else. right? Yeah, like I can fight <laughs> yeah. with this thing, yeah. right? And you can have your gun secure too, but if you really get down to the ground, if you're a jujitsu guy, if you're a, a striking guy, whatever it is, I don't feel comfortable with that in my belt, but I feel very comfortable with this here, right? right? Um, a lot of times this, uh, if it's not down here, I'll open up the strap and carry it sort of like a satchel. Yeah, like crossbody, like Indiana Jones. Totally Indiana yeah. Jones style. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you, you actually do train like that too, right? You, this isn't the first time you've trained out of a fanny pack. Correct, yeah. right? So every time I do train, which is less often these days, I'm doing a lot more ice cream, I still want to train. I still want to feel a level of currency where I'm confident in an emergency if I do need to shoot, mm -hmm. right? But the reality of that also, in my opinion, is I could be wrong and people could disagree, but no matter, no matter how good of a shooter you are in USPA or anything else that you train, if an emergency happens and you have to take a pistol shot with a pistol like this, your concealed pistol from 50 yards away, that's a risky shot if people are around the yeah, target. Yeah, for sure. Right? And yeah. my natural inclination would be to close distance on that person anyways. Right. So I still train out, you know, with to distance with, with a pistol yeah, like yeah. this. Yeah. But um, my opinion is just that I would be more inclined to, to close that distance anyways. Sure. Um, so when I do train, I do, I do start it with however I'm concealing. Yeah. Um, and I'll go back and forth with in belt, in my satchel or my fanny pack. Yeah. Um, I'll try it with it <clears throat> strapped around me. I'll time myself and get to a place where I feel current enough and proficient enough that I'm going to respond well in an emergency. Yeah. And, and yes, the truth is shooting like that is going to be more delayed compared to my combat Absolutely. pistol on my assault belt when I'm training, right? So, but when I train, I train that way also. But it's also realistic, right? So that to me is an extension of the way that you have to carry. So if you were training to just be as fast as you could, you'd be in like a USPSA gamer rig. You know, you've got a totally different gun. Well, you see law enforcement and military are training more with a retention holster and you'll see the instructors, even if they don't have a military background, will train with that similar setup. And to yeah. me, this is an extension of that. How many times do you see you know, a backpack that's got a holster panel or yeah. like Softleet sells fanny packs and tons of guys carry guns in them. I've carried my gun in it, most yeah. of us have. If I want to. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's just a super simple way to just have that, grab it. And then for me, I'm usually hanging out where there's tons of other parents, I'm playing with my daughter. And so now do I want to be like bending over and I'm printing or my gun's popping out or just my shirt comes up and you Absolutely. know, some kids like, or my, you know, I've got a three-year-old and she's like, oh, that's daddy's gun. Like she knows she doesn't touch it. She's right. three years old, but I'm sure she's going to say something about it. And now you've got everybody looking over at you going, 
oh, great, now there's this guy here, you know, now everybody knows, you know, it's like one step further than printing. Yeah. So for me, the, the fanny pack just took all that away and it's like, you can always have it, nobody's alarmed by it. Yeah. Now they are, now anybody who sees me in public is <laughs> gonna be like, he's got a gun in there, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I do, I like it, we showed up, you said, hey, just shoot how you mostly carry it. This yeah, is, I, I carry 80% of the time. Yeah, yeah I yeah. gave you the option, I said, hey, I shoot this because this is how I carry, yeah. I carry a mag in my pocket if I carry an extra one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love it when guys show up and they're like, no man, if that's the thing, like that's what yeah. we're gonna do. Dude, these days it's all about, what's good about the industry that I see coming around is that like we've all let go sort of our egos, right? Yeah. In our personal life, in our training life. Yeah. And it gives us the ability to sort of dive deeper and do the things that we wanna do yeah. and mess around with the things well, we wanna mess around with. You had that ego and like everything had to be on the clock. You had to be a crazy high performer. There were all these things that went into it. And one of the things that I try to get guys to come around is like, hey, you had the will to do the job. And for me, that was kind of number one, like no matter where you were in Absolutely. the stack of doing that job. And so I try to peel guys away from that, like elitist mentality of like, you've got to do it this way. It's a hundred percent. We needed yada, that, yada, yada. It's, you know, it's the, the highest level of accountability that sure. exists in the world is in these units, you know, yep. that we, in these soft units. Yeah. Um, you know, but now like I'm still accountable to my life, but right. my reality is totally different from that. But with that will to fight, like now you've got the will to carry. So at least yeah. with the fanny pack you're carrying every day or with it concealed, maybe not in the fastest place, Absolutely. you know, or the biggest pistol or whatever it is, but you're still doing the deeds. Right. So what is the cost of things you're willing to sacrifice? You know, right. like a little bit of time, you know, I had to drop yeah. my ego for this going like, I'm going to be slower than, than, than he is today. Yeah, you know? whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah, I try not to make that the, the point of it. I got beat up last yeah. episode, right? Matt was out here and he, he outshot me. So yeah. We're gonna uh, we're gonna put us both way outside our comfort zone. I'm sure we've got a roughly five ten five drill set up here, so that's gonna be our next drill. But all right, so this next drill is uh, I made it up on the fly. I was just hanging out with a buddy of mine who's a big football player. I don't know what tactical application this has other than you've got some movement in here and then you're gonna shoot. So there's a bunch of things going on. Um, you're basically going to start at this cone. It's your typical 5-10-5 drill you see in the in the combine. We used to run them. I don't know if you guys ran them in the teams. When we I was in MARSOC, we ran them. We did some selection stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, usually like during the combine, the team would be like, well, I wonder how close we are to like real athletes, right? <laughs> and so you would run it and you're like, oh, I'm only half a second off. And then you realize that half a second is the difference between like that guy going to the NFL or not, yes. right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's gonna be start here. You're gonna go shuffle one way or the other, five yards down, 10 yards across, five yards back to here, and then five shots on target. I don't even know what a good time is for this, so we're gonna start setting the standard for time here. Sounds good. All right, I'll demo it, and then you can run it after me. Hang on. Stand by. All right. Nine five seven, and we got. I think you're in. I'm all in. Well, yeah, burned it. We're good. <laughs> we broke the line. I haven't run one of those drills in like seven years. <laughs> How old are you? I'm only 33, man. Okay. All right. You ready? All right. So you're gonna make me look stupid. I already know. You didn't. You didn't grab your pistol and unholster until you got back to the middle, right? Yeah. Once you get back to the middle, you're gonna unholster. And hopefully they can make us look cool in editing. <laughs> Alright, you ready? Stand by.
Got a third touch, man. That's good shooting. Through one. I got one out, 11.55. We got one out. If, they're, if it's touching one that's touching the line, it counts. <laughs> nice. All right. Then from now on, it'll be like one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Just linking them together. Yeah, so the last Do It Live we did, we had that, uh, I call it the performance on demand drill, but it's a 400 meter sprint. And you were breathing at the end of that 400 meters. We're in an indoor range, so I was like, all right, we got to come up with something kind of different and cool and fun. Yeah. Um, so we're not running 20 laps in here. Trying yeah, to yeah, you'd be running all day. Yeah. The, uh, well, and so when we do that performance on demand drill, you're supposed to just run 400 meters straight, but usually what we end up with is like a shuttle for 50 meters back and forth, back and forth, yeah, back yeah. and forth. But yeah. So it takes a little bit of time off too because you're, you're stopping. Tons of time. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I didn't realize how much the shuttle run doing 50s added to your time. And then I called a friend of mine who's a coach and I'm like, dude, how much does this add? And he was like, typically, because he sees guys doing those shuttles all the time. Yeah. And I forget what the numbers were, but it added quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that kind of brings up another thing. You talked about TBI and like forgetting your gun and all of these things where you had to be super methodical and know exactly what you were doing for a long time, but your job has changed. So my question is how much do you find yourself having to like data dump and then reprogram job to job? Is that? So much for me, yeah. you know, it's been, it's been a path uh, sort of a struggle to do that specifically, yeah. almost for like every transition right. after my transition, right? Yeah. So um, from my contract job to stopping that, working for some friends uh, and then stopping that and then starting my own businesses. Yep. It's just like, and it's just an ongoing thing that I think just never changes, right. but that's okay. It's more like, I just accept that it's that way. Yeah. And it has to be that way because it's like in ice cream, if you know, if I lose a rubber band, I'm not gonna lose sleep about it, like I did in the teams. Right. And you're so accountable for every little thing, everything's yep. serialized, yep. right? But, but I still have to be accountable for other things. Now I have employees, I've got people yeah, you know, doing things, I've got deadlines to meet, and so it just has to change, uh, you know. But I feel like all of that change, as long as, it's when it, as, long as it's within, you know, the mindset of constantly adapting and evolving, and and Improving. and living towards your purpose and realizing that purpose that has been the, the key and the gold to sort of a successful or complete transition out of the military for me sure. and i realized it had nothing to do with you know a lot of other things yeah so are you using a lot of like for me i take away so much of what we did in the military planning process and apply it to business and so one of the ones that i just ran through was like a product release right so let's say today we're gonna release a product. Well, that means yesterday we had to have photos ready. The day before we had to take the photos, you know, all these things. And before that we had to figure out how to make it and all of these things. Are you back planning like we used to where it's like, all right, we've got to leave at noon tomorrow to make this target that's eight hours away and you back plan. I find myself, if anything I learned in the military, I think that that was the number one tool for anything, even just yep. waking up every day. Sure. It's like, what time do I need to wake up? I have kids to get to travel baseball. I've got ice cream deadlines to meet. Yeah. I've got emails to do. I've got, you know, and then, like you said, I, I've got to drop a product, so I got to get the product shots done. So yeah. if I ever 
have a day that I didn't backwards plan the night before, it ends up being a shit show. Oh, you do it the night before. You yeah. don't wake up and, okay. So you're I, doing I, it the night before. Is that a conscious thing where like you sit at your desk or your kitchen table or whatever and you go, Tomorrow I got baseball with kiddos, so here's what my day looks like. It's more like just the last moments before I'm ready to sleep and I sort of like settle down, yeah. you know, get into like a little meditation and release everything from that day sure. and just quickly think about the next day, check the calendar. Because I think those things for me releases all of that off of my mind and I can sleep better, Yeah. right? Because if I do it the next morning for that day, I'm not sleeping that well because it's all on my mind for the next day. So it's almost like a data dump yeah. <clears throat> the night before. Right. right, check in with the wife, make sure everything's, you know, sort of good to go, throw my clothes out and be ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So you're doing it the night before. You talked about meditation and sleep, and I got, always got to remember Softly, it's a human performance company, right? So that's why we're doing our silly five, ten fives. That's why we're shooting. The meditation for me, so that friend that I referenced that was in the NFL for years, he was like, dude, are you guys really doing yoga? And I was like, fuck yeah, we are, man. Like, I vividly remember on a deployment, like, rolling out my yoga mat and, like, looking around, and it was behind the gym. Yeah. And then, like, another dude came back there, and you could see he, like, peaked, and he's like, oh, shit, this guy's doing yoga, too. And then three of us ended up being out there pretty regularly. <laughs> so when you say meditation, are you meditating a lot? Do you have a lot of, like, effort into sleep hygiene? Like, kind of what's that down regulation piece look like for you? I do, and it, it takes a lot of discipline to, to keep up with it. And so, you know, it falls off a little bit sometimes. Some nights, like, you know, I'll watch, you know, a show with the wife and all that blue light, and I'll just be too lazy to In throw the on the blue light. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, and, um, you know, I've got the blue light glasses and all that, so you look really nerdy wearing those or whatever. But right. um, so it's just, it's, it changes through time, but, but you know, I try to stay disciplined with it. So yeah. it's like stop watching blue light or letting blue light hit your eyes an hour before bed. Yep. You know, eat yeah, I make my daughter do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no TV an hour before bed. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it, it's hard for, for us because there's only so much time for us to spend together anyway. So if we like watch, you know, a murder show because my wife loves those. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Because it's, yep. it's not the TV time. It's the, it's the together time. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, so, but if I can you know, put on the lenses and block the blue light, you know, that's huge. Get the temperature down, um, you know, either meditate or read a book. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, yeah, meditation's huge. I do it in the morning and at night, I try to. Yeah. Some days I don't get to it. How do you do that? Are you setting a timer? Are you just kind of like doing what feels right? I have a cool, your... I have a really good playlist I've built up over time. I set a timer, yeah. I get into it. I stop this whenever I feel like I'm done. There's yeah. no alarm to it or anything like that. It generally ends up being around between 20 and 45 minutes. Oh wow! And um, the night, the, the the intention with the evening meditations is to fall asleep. Okay. So in that case, it's okay to yeah, like, yeah. and I'll nod off and I'll just go to sleep. Yeah. Um, in the morning, that's different. Those those tend to go longer. You okay. know, 30 to 45 minutes, and I wake, come out of those feeling gratitude and refreshed, and just sort of ready to go for that day. So yeah. that's that's how I use it. How did you start doing that? Did you start that before the teams, in the teams? Like when did that? Become I just definitely started that after the teams as we kind of got out, you know, some of us are able to um, sort of like the human performance thing. It's like yep. I had the time finally to sort of get a better understanding of how to take care of myself, right? How to eat better. You know, I don't drink. Yep. Um, I try to minimize my coffee. I drink tea in the morning. Oh, instead. wow. Okay. And it's all it's all not out of ego or anything. It's just the discipline to feel better. Yeah. Right. Um, especially the mental side of things, you know, coming to terms with with the past and, yep. you know, even childhood stuff or just things that you that you had unresolved. 
I think it all is part of the same big picture of your, your overall health, right? Yep. Um, you know, your fitness routine, your sleep routine, that stuff all matters in my opinion, relationships. Yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah, I was, you answered the question for me, so I was gonna ask you, obviously have one vice, which is ice cream. I assume you eat the shit out of a lot of ice cream, yeah, but I was gonna- About five pints a week. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna ask, is that your only vice, you know? Have you cut out alcohol, which you, you already said you had? And then are you, are you cutting ice cream out early the same way that you would alcohol so that you're not you know, eating it right before bed? And, and kind of what's that look like? For sure, ice cream is the vice. I used to always be a really bad sweet tooth, like uncontrollably. Yeah. Right. So I had to like, you know, gather that as well. Like kind of, kind of fix that problem as well. Sure. Alcohol was easier for me to drop just because I have sort of an allergic reaction to it. Oh, really? I get super uh, like flushed, and it flushed, even looks yeah. like, like it, it's honestly people are always like, "What's wrong with you?" And then I spend more time explaining than enjoying drinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I'll have a drink on special occasions or, or here and there, so like no big deal. Yeah. I just don't drink regularly, so it, wasn't, it just wasn't that hard for me to cut out because I already have sort of an allergy to it. Yeah, that's the way I did it actually was I, I have a, if it's more of a pain in the ass for me to explain why I don't drink, then I'll just have a <laughs> beer because I don't have an issue with alcohol, but I hate the feeling. I don't sleep as well even after one beer if it's later in the evening. Now, if I do a really hard workout and it's hot, like to me, there's nothing better than a cold, cold beer, beer right afterwards. Yeah, but it's really early in the day and it's pretty rare for me to do that. And so yeah. that's a tough one to explain to people where it's like, I don't drink, but there's no any real reason. I just don't like the way that I feel post alcohol. Yeah, and, absolutely. So that's the, that's what it really is more about is that it just, it just fucks me up, just messes me up right. for a whole day next, you know, a couple days after that. And then as I started to pay more attention to some of the the researchers out there doing good stuff like Huberman Labs is a really good one. Sure, yeah. You know, the effect that it has on you and going like, yeah. wow, all those years, and you sleep. know, I really was just like poisoning myself, you know, right. and, and interrupting my sleep. I guess if I could go back into the military to my younger self and give myself some advice, that would have yeah. been one of the things. But at the same time, like I'm like some things just had to be the way that they were. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had that debate with a friend of mine. He was a ranger that like we were talking about the difference in culture now where like young guys in all the communities are very health conscious they're very fit and you and i were kind of in that transitional phase where like coming in it was drinking and fighting was the norm That's two of the like three, right? like that yeah like that wasn't even a question was like what are you doing this weekend well i'm gonna yeah. go out and drink and probably get into a fist fight right yeah um among other things and we but did yeah yeah that was on repeat and back then that almost felt like you had to have that as part of the culture to go to, to war in. and yeah. do the things well and to fit in but it to me it almost bred that culture of like i still believe in like interpersonal violence being a fantastic mental training tool to where like you're like you do muay thai and you've done jujitsu to where like you're gonna go hands-on with somebody to me, it's a really good training tool across the board, whether it's shooting, combat, self-defense, so whatever. And I felt that that was a part of it back then, like going in and being like, oh, I'm the baddest dude in the bar when you're a 22-year-old kid, you know? Right, Which right, yeah. Wasn't the case, but it's impressive to me now, like you said, that those young guys have the wherewithal to be like, nah, man, like I'm not going out and drinking because it fucks my sleep up, yeah. so. Yeah, and like the mentality now is like, I if I can be, now it's like if I would have realized back then that that was, 
you know, somewhat of a blockage to being the best version of an operator that I could be. Right. And I and I felt that I would have changed something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's not to say that I'm ungrateful for the past, but but that's just that's just true now. You know. Well, and you probably did later in your career. I assume right, as you, you mature, didn't. Yeah. yeah. Like I tapered off my drinking as my career changed and evolved. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't like that the whole way through, but as a yeah. 22 to 25 year old, that was absolutely the yeah. norm. And like you said, yeah. if I could go back, you would have been such a higher <laughs> performer. Like if you got eight yeah. hours of sleep instead of two, you know? Yeah. Like, but there's so many other components to all of that physical and mental health as operators, because, you know, we go through so much stuff. Everyone has their experiences. Right. They've got their, their things, their life you know, to deal with. And so, you know, I don't judge anybody, you know, how they dealt with it or even my past self and just sort of grateful that I was able to come to the, the, the realization that, uh, you know, it's okay to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know? It's okay to be okay. That's yeah, like yeah. one of my favorite phrases. Yeah. yeah the guy, guys dealing it with themselves. And then I also felt like when you're young, you're watching your friends that were your age, not in that profession and almost felt like you were missing that. So you tried to add that piece back into your life of like, oh, well, I'm not partying like my buddies as much. So now when I do, I'm going to go way off the deep end. Right, right. And we all we all feed off each other. Yeah, and, and went so far in that direction and not realizing how terrible it was. But when I was talking to my friend, he he kind of jokes like, no, we used to be able to get hammered and then wake up and work out. We should still be able to do that. And I'm like, no. missions fucking still, still. Yeah, some guys did. Before, yeah, <laughs> but the Iraq days. I guess my point was like, you you should not have been doing that, and you can't think that that's the measure of success is right. like getting back to that. The measure of success is yeah. is like you have evolved past that to Absolutely. where that's not a priority, and and sleep or being healthy is the priority. Yes, right. So. Yep. and it's okay for that change to happen, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right, well, we got one more shooting drill, so uh, let's go set it up. All right. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be a different drill, but we are going to close the gap based on the training that you provide and you saying, hey, like, I'm going to close that distance. So we're going to close that distance together at the same time. We don't have to be neck and neck. As soon as we hit that first set of cones, that's where we slow down, draw, and take one headshot on a one-third size target. So uh, we'll see how this goes and see how slow we go. It's a very minimal, yeah, these are, these are actually child soldiers that were, these are child soldiers <laughs> that we're shooting at. They're smaller than hobbits. All right. We'll go on the buzzer. Do you want your gun out or do you want it? How do you want to do it? It's your show. What do you it's like? your drill. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You got to, you have to draw it. Okay, you gotta draw at the cone. Yeah, right. but I'm placing my finger on my zipper. Whatever you want to do. All right, on the buzzer. Ready? Stand by. Go. Oh. Are we in? I think I'm burning the line. Let's see. We'll let Austin pan in on there and see how much. Uh... Is that a headshot? It's t that's for sure. I don't know. Like, That's definitely in the neck of the child soldier. Yes. I, that, there's a little crack right there that's in. Yeah, I think it burned it. You're way in. Yeah, Chris yeah. is way in. <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot to uh, turn the shot timer on before I hit the button. I was like, ah, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
no, that reality. was fun. I, I figured that would yeah. be cool how we were talking about. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. The, uh, that was a miss. That was a, that was a hot miss. You got a good pop out of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I liked how you were saying you're going to close the gap. You know, we're both shooting subcompact pistols with a red dot. And because uh, that's what we carry, right? And you were saying the first thing you're going to do is close the gap. It's just, I feel like it's just an instinctual thing to do with a pistol. Yeah, I think with any, whether you had a gun or not, you're going to do that in that situation if you're that guy. And if you don't know you're that guy, you're not going to yeah. do it, right? And um, not throwing any shade to the people that wouldn't, but if, if you are, uh, like I have a good friend who's a firefighter, so very different, uh, but he has two children. Um, and we've talked about that where... He was like, dude, I'm going into a school if if he's nearby, even if he didn't have his gun on him. Yeah. Um, and that's why I say the the will to do that job is the most important part, right? And so I get, you can debate that where it's like, well, do you want the guy who really sucks but is willing? The answer is no, but I would say being willing to do it is like, that's the first one to cross the threshold, Absolutely. if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, then, then what? Let's say they were, they didn't have their, they weren't carrying that day and something happened. There's, there's just infinite situations in my mind where these things are happening that I'm imagining the layout, you know, the dead space between, you know, the threat and uh, innocent people and yourself yeah. and the opportunity to move and close the distance on that person might, might be there, right. even if you're not armed. And then also studying the videos and just watching their demeanor and the way that they sort of just you know, I'm just walking around and they don't really have that much situational awareness because in their heads they're like, I'm the one with the gun. I'm the hunter. Nobody's going to come after me. I, you know? I also think that those, uh, usually children, they're, like, not looking around they're terrified too, I would assume. Like yeah. they are, they know that that's probably their last day. And yeah. so they, I guarantee you they're terrified and they're also not mentally there, right? Like there's a big argument that this right. is a mental health crisis, if anything, it's right. not. Um, somebody who's coherent that's doing it. So yeah, I, I think like you said, even if you don't have the firearm on you, there may be an opportunity to affect change, gun or no gun, yeah, pen absolutely. or no pen, right? I'll yeah, and if you're that, that guy that you, with the willpower, like you said, you wouldn't know that if you were just, you know, I just, I don't have a weapon with me, so I can't do it. Right, know? which is something interesting to give up that ground of, you could be out without a pistol, right? Most guys, I think that, um, are gonna watch this think like oh I carry all the time and it's like well you ever fly on an airplane because I don't carry my gun on an airplane I don't know right. about you um, and so to say you always carry I think is uh, it's nice if you can say you're always carrying but the reality for most guys isn't that right, right, right. Um, so yeah I mean thanks for coming on the show man I had a great time we're yeah. gonna eat some ice cream and talk <laughs> ice cream for a little bit as well but uh, I definitely appreciate you coming out man absolutely thanks for all having right. me Thanks, bye. <laughs>